their studios. But right now, I'm joined by Dr. Phil Ferguson and John Moore. Good morning, lads. Good morning, hey, Jamie. How are we today? Pretty good. Pretty good. That's good. That's good. Right. It's been another tumultuous week. Yes, huge week in politics. Massive week. Uh, Matilda Turne is gone uh, after a fortnight of pressure. Um, from the media after she told the country that she had committed benefit fraud. Uh, she's decided to step down as Green Party code leader. I mean, who's to blame here? Is it the mabid, uh, the rabid media pack in Wellington, as they can be, or is it Matilda herself? Um, she had to she had to expect this level of scrutiny. Like she's seen it all before. She's been in government. Uh, she's been in parliament. Sorry, for, for many years and seen it happen to many other people. She had to know if she was going to come clean with that. That they were going to come at her. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Certainly the media has been relentless in their criticisms of Materia, and I think that the focus on her has has been huge. And if you compare previous scandals, such with uh, Bill English and his uh, double dipping when he was uh, uh, getting government subsidies for a, a house he was living in, which was uh, owned by his family trust, uh, then I think you can say that... Um, Certainly it's not unfair that the media have uh, criticised or um, analysed uh, Materia Ture and her confessions of benefit fraud, but you could say it hasn't been very balanced. However, yeah. you're right, Jamie, uh, both Materia, as a well-seasoned politician, and the Greens should have expected this, and they should have had a whole lot of plans in place of how to respond to various mm. attacks that were inevitably going to come yeah, yeah. and it just feels like that the, the Greens as soon as they got uh, too much criticisms and as soon as the Labour Party arguably turned on them and Jacinda Ardern t- turned on them by ruling out materia from e- any future cabinet position uh, it feels like they recoiled uh, they went into a defensive mode uh, they um, really uh, ended up um, compiling compi- What's the word? Uh, agreeing or uh, going along with uh, Labour in terms of ruling out material mm. from that cabinet mm. post, mm. and so the the dominant narrative that had to come out was that well maybe the Greens are in the wrong, maybe material is in the wrong. They even seem to be backing down themselves, and they didn't give out a consistent narrative uh, that that uh, that put them in a strong position. Yeah, I don't know whether the Greens didn't fight fire with fire. We said, well, if you're if you're going to rule material out, then we're not going to. Screw you! We just won't come into coalition with you. And yeah, then we'll and see it, how gave, you like it gave the impression that the Greens themselves, who caucus colleagues and especially James Shaw, weren't really backing Materia. Hmm. Uh, that that by saying that okay, we agree to uh, her not having a cabinet uh, position in a future potentially Labour-led government, uh, then they were really effectively saying that well, maybe Materia is in the wrong in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I think the Greens were actually genuinely naive. I think they, although Materia Therese's been there for five terms, I think her and the rest of the Greens were just extraordinarily naive about what they would ex- about what would come their way, mm-hmm. about the shitstorm that this would create. Um, having said that, you know I think the responsibility is very much on a load of people in the media. I mean, I'm never going to look at people like Patrick Gower and Audrey Young and. Barry Soper and Mark Sainsbury and that lot again. I mean, it was just unbelievably vicious and mm. nasty. Yeah. And so hypocritical yeah. and sanctimonious. Like, I think the way that, that she was hounded over this was absolutely disgusting. And so, although I, I don't think the Greens handled it well, you know, she was the victim. 
yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, mm. of of this and and their behaviour. Like John said, you know, think of Bill English, thirty two thousand, and that guy was on a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Oh, a he year wasn't trying to feed time. his kids. He wasn't trying to feed his kids or put himself through university to better himself. Yeah, he had a partner who was earning heaps of money from the doctor's practice. They were obviously living in that house. Uh, you know, it was their house. She, her practice was in Wellington. The kids were all enrolled in Wellington schools and so on. And thirty-two grand. And the only reason that he paid it back and fronted up was he had no alternative. He was outed by the Dominion Post. It wasn't like he went on TV and said, "Oh, look, mm. you know, mm. I did this, and I'm really, really sorry." And there was no public flagellation, which is what Materia has been demanded of Materia Ture. I mean, they wanted her to go down to the Octagon and start flagellating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Why, uh, Sarah? Why haven't, why haven't um, even people on the right been able to sit there and go, look? I mean, she was obviously struggling. Yes, she's done something wrong here, um, but you know, she's got a child. She's got a child. She's trying to better herself. She's trying to do everything she can. Uh, you know, what she hasn't done isn't right, but in the circumstances, it can be kind of understandable. You've got to remember also all the cuts that came in around that time uh, to the benefit system. It w- uh, it's totally different from the days that Paula Bennett was uh, getting money from the government to buy a house while she was on the benefit and trying to better herself at university as well. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think it illustrates um, a couple of things. Obviously, there's some opportunistic right-wing politicians who could sense blood and just went for it. Um, but also I think it um, illustrates a really underlying, deep-seated um, attitude towards beneficiaries, which is that uh, they actually don't have the, you know, the welfare, well, welfare isn't a right, it's a privilege um, that they should be grateful for and should never step out of line. And if they do, you know, have to break the law in order to um, feed the kids, then they should be heavily punished and they should show, you know, absolute and utter contrition. I, I think it's a deep-seated prejudice towards beneficiaries and a deep-seated kind of feeling of, you know, a meanness, really. It's a, mm. it's a meanness and it's, it's, there's an unwillingness to move beyond her personal circumstances and see the bigger picture um, of a, 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 you know, a highly um, punitive, parsimonious welfare system. Mm. It's not like we saw heads roll back in 2008 after the financial disaster uh, that was caused by those in power in the banks and uh, dodgy shit from even, even Treasury. Um, uh, how come, you know, they were being held accountable for, for losing people millions of dollars, uh, yet um, she was just trying to feed her family? It, it's beyond, it's I, beyond me. I think uh, you could argue that... Um capitalist ideology is coming into play here so um, if you look at uh, various sort of theories on dominant ideology on society such as um, from Antonio Gramsci the Marxist um, theorist the idea is, is that when you have a capitalist economy the dominant ideology, the dominant ideas that filter down to all levels of society are sort of essentially pro-capitalist ideas. Mm. So um, when we're looking at this case of Materia Ture versus, say, uh, the bankers at the time of the financial crash or Bill English, I think a class analysis is very useful here. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not 
coincidental that um, uh, Bill English, a, a white privileged male in uh, um, upper middle class, is essentially let off when you could argue that he engaged in corruption. <coughs> However, mm. Materia Ture, at the time when she was a, a working class Maori woman, uh, she gets far more scrutiny and, and, and is treated far harsher by the media and by society as a whole. And I think that's got to do with class. And it's, um, there's a Victoria University uh, political scientist, Claire Timberley, who has uh, written an article uh, just this week, very much centering on the question of class. Now she's a, um, a feminist, left-wing feminist uh, political scientist, and again she emphasises that the, that the attacks on Materia Ture very much have to do with her working-class background, her background as a beneficiary and as a solo mother and Maori woman. Yeah, so she's seen as less of a person, in and, other words. Uh, yeah, and like Sarah said, the extraordinary meanness of this, you know, yeah. we don't kind of see that meanness day-to-day in New Zealand, but, you know, this country has a really horrible, mean, nasty underbelly, mm. and every mm. now and then something happens, and it, and it just... It explodes out like the you know like a, a pressure cooker. The lid's taken off, and you get to see this kind of ugliness and, and meanness. And I think that's you know that came off in the case of Materia. I think there's also a degree of kind of misogyny and racism involved, mm. where those things aren't respectable anymore. So the people who think like that have to bite their tongue quite a lot, and then something like this happens and you know they're off the leash <laughs> they're off yeah yeah <laughs> they're off the leash yeah yeah which is horrible what does this now mean for the greens though um in terms of the fact you know have they lost the, their balance uh with the co-leaders you've essentially now got a green blue sitting at the helm of um of the green party um and you're not going to get another um, co-leader in there until a long time after the election. The next AGM's not until um, you know May or something next year. Um, where does this leave the party and how? And looking into this next election, I think it's well, going to. Oh, you go, the Sarah. Greens, sorry, uh, they can. The, the Greens can decide to elect a or appoint or some, have some kind of process to get a co-leader before July. Apparently, they don't have to wait before that. I mean, I think yes. James has been on the conservative side of the the Greens, I'm sure, but I think he has. Um, I think he's kind of held up the principle here, and I think he's played quite a positive role over this debate. You know, he has backed Matilda. He has um, tried to get people to see the bigger picture, and he has confirmed that the Greens are sticking to that. So, you know, those really important policies which were at the heart of this debate. Um, we need to re- increase benefits, and we need to get rid of the sanctions. So, I think he actually has. Um, played a really quite a positive progressive role. He hasn't backed down from those principles that they sought to um, put forward in the original policy discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously the resignation of Kennedy Graham and um, David Clendon exposed that there are there are divisions within the party. And I guess when it comes to electing a new co-leader, that we may see those tensions come to the fore again. I mean, you've got people like. Marama Davidson, who's um, you know, pretty closely aligned to left-wing um, working-class politics, versus Julianne Genta, who um, I understood, I understand, is who James Shaw would like there, um, and she's possibly more 
on a more conservative end of things. But doesn't that indicate that James Shaw is actually on the right of the party uh, if he's not wanting Marama uh, Davidson as the co-leader, someone more on the left? And I would be a lot harsher on him. Um, he really um, should have stood up to Labour and said it's, it's unacceptable for a party that at that stage was on 23% uh, to have the arrogance to say that in, in, a, in a future government, um, Materia Ture will be ruled out of Cabinet. Mm. He should have clearly said, well, that's not Labour's say. That's the electorate's say and how they divvy up the votes. Uh, and we'll talk about that post-election. Uh, he should have completely backed her up by uh, throwing her under the bus. He, I feel he was effectively saying to Labour, uh, OK, we're, we're not going to um, strongly uh, back our co-leader and, uh, in effect, we're, we're, not, we're not really going to strongly back our own policy mm. on, on, on um, beneficiaries and benefits. And it was really a, a slap in the face to all those people who have been on benefits or are on benefits in the country that you have this politician who actually stands up and gives those people a voice and uh, then Jacinda Ardern turns around and says that basically it was immoral what Materia Ture did, you know, uh, saying that you shouldn't break the law um, and um, rolling out from Cabinet and then the um, James Shaw, the co-leader of the Greens, not fully backing her up, you know, with a real slap in the face to all those, you know, people in a very precarious situation in this country. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I mean, I was initially quite impressed, actually, by James Shaw, who initially seemed to be standing there supporting her, and and when Kennedy Graham and David Clendon announced they were resigning, mm. you know, him suggesting, well, actually, we're going to expel them. Yeah. But... <laughs> you know, it weeks so a long time in politics, and and a couple, you know, now he's looking to rehabilitate Kennedy Graham. He could be on the list, and so on. And so, you know, my my bit of respect for James Shaw was very short lived, <laughs> and, uh, indeed. And yeah. now, you know, like I agree with with John. Like the you know the Greens should have just played hardball back and said, you know, like. You're not dictating who's going to be in the cabinet, and if you don't like that, the memorandum—you know—the memorandum of agreement is is off. Mm-hmm. And instead, by by letting Materia be humiliated, and by letting the little princess at the top of the Labour Party—oh, it's all immoral, you know. People shouldn't break the law. I mean, Lord. You get her talking about Martin Luther King. She'd be all in favour of Martin Luther King's breaking the law. He broke the law all the time. But you see, he's dead. That was 50 years ago and on the other side of the world. Yeah, yeah. Social change comes about largely because people do break the law. That's right. The suffragettes mm. broke the law. Trade unions broke the law. Civil the, liberties. The initial, and the initial yeah. Labour Party. And the initial uh, Labour Party. They were all law, were a and pre- law breakers. There were a whole lot of uh, like people who became cabinet ministers in Labour yeah. who were actually in prison during the First World War because they um, came out with a very strong anti-war position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just quickly on the civil, because we're going to have a change. Will this affect the Labour Green relationship when, um, you know, with, with Labour sitting where they are now and, and putting um, the Greens under the bus, um, do they really need them anymore in terms of a formal coalition, or can you see Labour pushing on a confidence and supply type situation? That's a real possibility. Um, uh, 
I guess we're going to talk um, pretty soon about the two polls that have come out. But if we look at them, certainly uh, uh, Labor's gone up in the polls a lot, and but they would still need the support of, or yeah, the support of New Zealand First and the Greens to be able to form uh, a government, if mm. not other parties as well. Um, so, but yeah, they could, they could. Um, the Greens have put themselves in a very difficult position because they've said we're campaigning for a change of government. Yeah, um, and so they they really have put themselves in a position where they have to support a Labour led or centre government, regardless of what Labour says. If Labour says no, we're gonna we're not going to be in a coalition with you. We're not going to have any Green Party cabinet ministers. The Greens are in a position where they can't really say, well, no, we're not going to support Labour because their whole campaign is based around changing the government. Ah, uh, yeah, but that will be after the election, so that campaign's out the window, Matt. Ah. Uh, True, but um, that deal uh, ends uh, <laughs> on that day. Yes, but they, I mean, I think the Greens are unfortunately in a much weakened position. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, those polls have indicated dropping numbers. Um, I don't know what the next polls will show, but you know, with Labour resurgent and the Greens having gone through the crisis that they are, have been through, I, I think they are in a much weakened position. Unfortunately, but Labour, yeah, I mean. In a way, it hasn't strengthened Labour because they've taken votes from the Greens yeah. in New Zealand yeah. first. Yeah. And so the anti-national lot, you know, are still in roughly the same position. But I think this whole thing has shown, like, Labour does not really does not like a party to the left and they don't like being the idea of being in coalition with people to the left. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they wanted to destroy the Alliance and I think they would like to destroy the Greens. And the Alliance made the mistake of going into coalition with them and then being faced with, do we support the invasion of Afghanistan or not? And that smashed them. Yeah, yeah, And, you know, the Greens really should have learnt from that that... Labour is pretty treacherous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, oh, pretty ruthless. <laughs> They're pretty ruthless and treacherous. <laughs> and it might be better for the Greens just to hoe their own road and get whatever they can out of either party. I yeah. mean, I don't see much difference between Labour and National, so I don't care who the Greens get, get you know, some concessions from. It doesn't bother me if they get some concessions from National yeah. or from, you know, or from Labour. But I think Labour would prefer to to go with New Zealand first. The only problem with that is Winston's such a loose cannon that they could end up like oh, the last God. lot did. And, of course, last time around, Labour screwed over New Zealand first as well. And... Um, in uh, doing that when the alliance collapsed and after the 2005 election they needed an electoral partner who did they they go there were the greens all waiting to go into mm. government with labor and labor slammed the door in their face and, and them, went with went with winston um right we're gonna have to move on to the polls we haven't got much time left um it's interesting uh, with the polls um because they, they it has shown a, a massive resurgence uh, with labor uh, to the um, because you know the greens have gone down so so much so sharply. Um, you know, it, for polls, I don't really like them for the most part. Um, I think Conor Brunton still uses cold calls on home lines. Um, apparently, the other one, the other big one, uh, uses twenty five percent on the internet to try to get twenty five percent youth. But you never know who they're going to get on the internet. To be honest, I don't know the people's ages. I don't think. Um, but yeah, with this green drop. It might be coming from those uh, young urban liberals 
who were siding a little bit, but they're still middle class and don't exactly like, uh, you know, not exactly for that whole beneficiary social welfare change. Uh, or it could just be the old school Kennedy Graham fans out mm. there that have the landlines that have been st- stuck with the old school uh, Green Party uh, for, for many years and they've gone, well, you know, Kennedy's leaving, I'm going to jump ship too. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say um, exactly why the Green support has dropped. However, let's remember that in the last polls that came out, the Greens had gone up to 15% and that seemed to be clearly as a result of the announcement of their um, benefit reforms mm. and uh, materia to raise uh, admittance of benefit fraud. Um so why have the Greens dropped to such a staggering level? The News Hub re-research re- poll has them on 8.3%, and um, I've heard there's a leaked national internal poll which has the Greens under 5%, just under 5%, which means that they could be wiped out from Parliament and effectively wiped out as a party. Wow. Yeah. I think we have to say we live in a time, in the Western world especially, where politics is in such a state of flux, people's opinions can easily rapidly change and swing from one position to another. Um, um, And I I think we're seeing that with the Greens, that their support rapidly went up to 15%, has dropped to possibly below 5% if we go on the national internal poll. Um, We've also got the Jacinda Ardern um, phenomena, of course, Jacinda mania. Um, uh, So that certainly led to a resurgence of Labour and has clearly cut into the Green support as well. Um, But I think all bets are off for this election, um, and and these polls show that, and the fluctuation of the polls show that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, thoughts on Phil? Yeah, oh, this, oh, sorry. It, it, wouldn't it be interesting if the pollsters actually went out and door knocked in Otahu yep. and in Wainoni and yep. you know, in in poor working class areas and asked people if they were horrified by what materia by materia mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. a couple of thousand bucks over a period of a couple of years. Yeah, you know, and and mm-hmm. who they you know who they respect. Um, the most we might get we might get a different poll. Um, yeah, I, I I can't imagine that. Well, I th- I think it's unlikely the Greens are going to get wiped out because they have a brand and a brand name, and mm. I think there's somewhere around ten percent, eight, nine, ten. Sometimes it might go above of people who identify with that brand. Yeah, and that's not determined by what happens to an individual green politician. So the, the old leadership of the Greens is, is all gone. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's right. And and it didn't make any difference whatsoever because it's got you know. Whereas if Winston went, it might make a difference to New Zealand. Well, there was big fears that when Jeanette went, that would be the case. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, Donald dying. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, that never came to fruition. Um, what are your thoughts, Sarah? Uh, well, I tend to agree. I mean, I think Greens have polled at least 5% for, oh, what, the last 20 years? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's very unlikely that they'd go below 5%. Um, I think it's very unlikely that they'll go above 10%. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that, I, I do think that kind of the 15% poll was a bit of an anomaly, really. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it happened last election too, didn't they? They were polling around 15% the week before the election and then dropped back down to around 10 on the election, but uh, yeah, I think it's very unlikely they'll, they'll drop below 5%. Um, oh. I, I, I don't know what it's like in Dunedin, but the Jacinda Mania thing is um, pretty extraordinary, really. Um, I think it's a bit kind of like a Princess Di phenomenon. <laughs> um, phenomenon. And so I, I think people 
the Greens have, have certainly lost votes to back to Labour because of um, how uh, hopeful people feel about Jacinda being able to save the Labour Party and form a new government. So, yeah, I, I think that those polls are probably more to do with Jacinda than than the turmoil within the Greens. Mm-hmm. All right, just one more. But yeah, the, the key thing, sorry, is that they've got to get votes off National because yeah. at the moment National hasn't budged at all. So oh. unless they can shift some of those off National, it's um, as people were saying previously, it's it's still on the same combined numbers, left right. Just just one more question before we go, uh, everyone, just quickly. Um, should we get rid of pol- polls altogether? Are they too influential when it comes to uh, election day? Um, in some countries they do do that. A, a certain period before a national election, they will uh, disallow the media from reporting polls, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say no. Um, I, I, I think there's freedom of speech issues here at play, and there's also the issue that um, I think people who vote... Uh, have a right to know uh, how the parties are doing in polls and that can, I think, um, lead to a a rational decision on which party to give support to. Um, I I actually think that's that's fair enough and I'd want that information. I wouldn't want that information denied to me. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I think there needs to be more rigorous debates about polls uh, and about how politics is in such a state of flux that um, can we rely on polls, what are the scientific methods used with them, uh, why have polls become so unreliable in, say, the UK, Europe and, and America? So the media has more of a duty, I think, to, to, to pull these polls apart. Mm-hmm. What do you think about polls, Phil? Um, yeah, I, I agree with with John. I don't think they should be um, not, uh, not mm-hmm. reported of that. I mean, it would be a sort of interesting, is it? You don't know what the hell's going on and then the election comes along. And yeah, but you know what's going you, on you, with policy. Out. You know what's going on with policy, but you don't know with numbers. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I see. Yeah. I like. I like that. I, I, you know, I, I, I would like to see them gone. To be honest. Uh, uh, what about you, Sarah? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't really have a problem with them. I think um, I have more of a problem with um, the kind of hysterical reporting that Phil mm. was talking about earlier on. Oh, you know, yeah. the, the Patrick Gower, you know, catastrophizing and um, yeah. yeah, bullying and using the polls to kind of pursue their own political agendas, I think um, that's slightly more problematic uh, than the polls themselves. That you know, information is is keen, is key for everyone. You know, I don't, it's more information for people. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with them. Maybe some of the reporting around them is problematic. All right, all right, good to go. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Sarah, Phil and John. Always a pleasure to see you again next.